This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. There's nothing I hate more than a moody silence. I know, that's today's topic. I know. Because boy, with... Two teens in the house and, and you, two teens and you, that have you're gone. Pretty moody. And you, yeah, it's it's the thing that I certainly in my friendship group it's 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 the thing that people struggle with the most. And it's I, the fact that they suddenly your teens suddenly stop talking yeah. to you and you don't know what's going on and you don't know whether they're struggling, whether they need you, or whether something devastating or something amazing is happening. You wouldn't know because the face is the same. Or absolutely nothing's happened and they yeah. just you know someone you know I don't know they. Haven't been invited to a party, which is like the world to them. Well, isn't it's the it? worst thing in That's the whole the worst world. thing in the whole world. Yeah, but to you, yeah. but to you as a parent, it's absolutely nothing. You know. Mm. So, uh, and and I remember you saying, "God, it can't be true." The uh, Harry Enfield sketch where they go upstairs. Every single one of our children has gone upstairs and then come back downstairs a completely yeah. different person. Yeah, it happens. I think this is. I'm kind of excited about this this conversation, but also a little bit nervous. And I think it's because I'm hoping we can find some answers, not only obviously for us having this conversation, but also for the listener, because it's the it's the topic that comes up all the time, every time I speak to my friends. And it is the one of, when did that Kevin thing happen when my ch- child went upstairs as one person and came down as another oh, you person? Mean, Do you yeah, remember that? Kevin from Harry Enfield. Yeah, Harry yeah, yeah, Enfield. No, that was funny. And, and we probably saw that in our early 20s, you even mm. younger probably because you are seven years younger than I me. I was about 12. Yeah, and... Um, and I remember laughing at that. And now that's the reality because that's mm. what all teenagers do. All teenagers do. I have to say, I think one of the most passive-aggressive things generally from adults is when they don't talk or when silences are used in a certain way. And um, I think one of the things no one ever prepared me for was not how to manage necessarily the problems that come up for teenagers and that they share with you or the questions asked and all that kind of stuff, but it's the silences. It's the moody silences. I find them spectacularly frustrating. They, at times, can really get under my skin and and Mm. really unsettle me and and, Mm. and enrage me because I feel it's so willful. It's funny because I was... Do you remember that um, teenage expert psychologist person that I met years ago. I was fascinated by her. Just like, everything she said was like, oh God, oh God, oh God. One of the things she said to me was, you have to just really be careful with teenagers at this age, right? She said they are having literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thoughts right through the day that they are struggling and battling with. So what might come across to you as a dark, moody face is actually concentration. Mm. And if you keep breaking that train of thought, it actually causes great distance between the two of you and you're actually not serving your child who's trying to work out now a lot of stuff on their own. Mm. What you have to do is just let them know that you're there and you're ready for whatever time they, they want to talk to you. Now, yes, that is brilliant advice. But I was talking to my friend Lisa the other day and actually... Um, listener, you'll be glad to hear she has two sons the same age as our as our girls, and we're all great friends. Um, so her eldest son, Carlitos, uh, is going to um, through these podcasts is going to give us um, the POV from a teenage boy because I think that that's going to be really fascinating mm. for everybody. But anyway, I was saying to her, you know, this we you know what the teen psychologist has said, and we've just got to wait. And she was so pretty. She went, yeah. I know, and that's really good advice, but fuck it out. We've wiped their asses, we've been there 24-7, we've picked them up, we've mopped their brow, we've listened to every little problem, it doesn't matter what it is, they've run to us and we've sat them and we've sorted it out. And she said, and then it's just like falling off the edge of a cliff. But it all stops. And she said, and I miss it. And I've got this idea of how I was going to be and what I, how I was going to talk them through their problems. And, 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 and I said, yeah, it is kind of like a mini grieving process that you go through where you have to just accept that that moment has gone 
I mean, if it's been years, but actually it's a moment in their lifetime. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think one of the problems for, you know, being a parent and, and for teenagers and kids is that I do think parenting, I think there's a curious kind of currency that goes on between parents and their kids. And for the period of a child's life, say between zero and 12 or 11, say 10, mm. um, they have what I would call a sort of pre-consciousness. They live life, don't they? they they've sort of sensory, yeah. they just do things and you're there looking after yeah. them, picking them up. And the one thing you're doing, if you know you're doing your job kind of right as a parent is you're not scarring them <laughs> and you're not traumatizing them so that actually they get to, they hit 10, 11 or 12, let's hope in the best case scenario, relatively unscathed. But what happens as parents is, and I think this is a dilemma for all parents, is that there's an element of um, an obligation for, sort of slips in where we kind of want our kids to be kind of grateful for everything we've done up until that point or at the very least acknowledge it. And I think what happens at the teenage point is that the teenager comes off that sort of childhood sort of experience into the complexities of starting to think like an adult. And we're all left behind as they parachute into their hell, let's face it, because living life sometimes is hell. And as a teenager, they're facing the hell of new things all the time. And as they hit them... As parents, we're kind of thinking, well, hang on a minute. What about all the bits where I was looking after you? What about, as, as Lisa was just saying, what about all that? But actually, they shouldn't be interested in that shit. They, they shouldn't, shouldn't be interested in no. looking after. Because in a sense, we're asking them to be grateful for what we've done. And no yeah. child should be grateful yeah. for anything. And I think it's a... But it's also like being dumped. It it's is, a oh, shock. Yeah, yeah, I get it's that. It's like you've got this great relationship going on and then suddenly your boyfriend, your girlfriend turns around and goes, yeah, look, I still like you, but I'm just not in love with you anymore. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that, yeah, that's a really interesting comparison because I think that's very, acu that's acutely the case when it's like, say, with me as a father of daughters and for, I'm sure, Lisa, your friend, as a mother of sons because there comes a point where that cleaving of communication, that stopping of connection is so dramatic that for me, I would be not exaggerating to say that with each of my girls, as they've moved into this strange nether regions of 12 to 18, I kind of kiss goodbye to a massive, massive relationship, knowing, because I have older daughters, that it will in a sense come back. But actually, I, I, do, think... I do feel a sense, of, and, and I think it's mm. something that's not talked about a lot, I do feel a sense of loss at that point. I think... To say kiss goodbye, I don't think you... I would suggest that you don't actually mean kiss goodbye to a relationship. No, but a certain what type is, of relationship. Yeah, what it is, it's that dreaded words, a new normal. Well, we don't want a new normal. We want the old normal. Mm. But actually, we do have to adjust that it is a new normal. And eventually, it will become... We'll accept it. You know, it's a bit like it's just, a bit like any death, isn't it? Where you, where if you go to it, the pain is the same. Mm. You learn a way to accept. Now, I just want to bring in. I think it's a really relevant point, actually. Now, to bring in my friend Lisa's son, Carlitos Meduto. He said, "Can you make sure you say my whole name when you when you introduce me?" So there you go. Hi, Carlitos. Carlitos, <laughs> who is fifteen, a super smart boy, and he's going to really help us out through this series by giving us that teenage, that male teenage hmm. perspective and POV. So I've actually already heard what he's got to say about today's conversation, but I really want you to hear it because I think it's 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 really it's a really good time to bring it in with what you've just said. Okay, and just before you get on with that, I would take umbrage though with the idea that I shouldn't say that. It it is a sense of loss that parents feel. And I think that's why when they stop talking to us, it's felt so keenly. Mm. It is a sense of loss, and relationships do change irreversibly. Oh, yeah, I do. I, no, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, and I do absolutely agree that it's loss, and I feel the same, but I think kiss goodbye to a relationship, I just wonder if you really did mean that. It's just... You do kiss goodbye to a particular relationship particular with your child. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you get a yeah. new normal. Yeah, yeah. Just, want, just thinking about our kids hearing it and thinking it's dad said good. No, 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 no. But I think they themselves would also say that. I think, I think what I'm saying isn't meant to be difficult for our children to hear. I think they themselves, you know, I recognise that that happened between me and my mother. I, it, it's part of the norm and it's a part of... And so your relationship will find new areas to mm. kind of grow and, 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 exactly. and blossom. But there is that period, what I call a sort of limbo period, where you are certain, that's what we're going to talk about presumably today, is you are absolutely at sea, guessing, 
guessing, trying to nail a jelly to a wall as to what's going on and how I can best be and how what are they feeling. I and mean, that's the problem, isn't it? All of it comes from a place of how do I help them? I don't know how to help them. They keep being silent. <laughs> well, it's the most frustrating thing on earth, isn't it? Because they'll come down and they look like they've got the entire world on their shoulders. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it looks like they might just throw themselves in front of a bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'll say, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, Why? I'm totally fine. They have to go to mm. the other one and say, do you think the geek is all right? Kiki, do you think Maddie's all right? Yeah, yeah, they're mm. fine. It's just, and it, it, it is, it's so confusing. It is, and it's an interesting it's time because whilst confusing. on the one hand it's infuriating and I think most rows probably develop between parents and their teenage children because of this, the, the, you know, these silences and moods and sulks and what have you. And yet it's interesting that it's only struck me this morning that I think the reason for that happening is because as parents, as grown-up kids who are the parents of these teenagers and we're all grown-up kids, we're kind of a bit bloody miffed that we're not being thanked for everything we've done up until now? Well, let me bring Carlitos in then now, because I think this is I love Carlitos. He's very witty. Here we go, Carlitos. I think the reason that teenagers won't talk to their parents about their problems isn't because their parents are boring or isn't because our parents, we hate our parents or anything like that. I think it's just sometimes the things that us as teens consider important and interesting aren't the same kind of things as parents consider important and interesting and we don't really there's not really that kind of common ground um i think parents always want to help and they want to be supportive and really like help with their children with everything they can um but a teenager is all is all about gaining a sort of separation from the parents um and becoming a teenager is such a wild thing because it's the first time the mind is like starting to develop into a kind of adult's mindset and to have the kind of same or similar mindset to an adult. And because that's the first time that that's happening, we want to like try and solve most of our problems by ourselves and we're becoming more and more independent. Um, and it's, it's all about freedom, really. I mean... It's the first time that we can, like, choose exactly who we want to be. And I think parents during the teenagers are having to learn for the first time to take a little bit of a back seat. Um, and at the end of the day, we still love our parents with all our hearts. Nothing can change that. We just need a little space to handle things by ourselves. But I think parents would just, like, leave themselves open still. Um, not always ask, like, are you okay, are you okay, are you okay, and always be on the case. But, like, kind of, like, let us know that there is, like, a safe space still, and we can still find comfort in our parents if we want to, or if we don't want to, then so be it. It's, like, it's our choice, I think. Well, that's actually made me... Actually, that's... That's made me feel quite emotional, actually. Yeah, me. obviously... Lisa, she's a very dear friend of ours, isn't she? And we, you know, of course, as soon as the kids are upstairs or in the garden or off doing whatever, these are the conversations that we have. And I mean, what a what a beautifully articulate and... Precise. You can't argue with mm. that. You know, they are not ours. No. We brought them into this world to set them off in this world to be who they want to be. And it is about us needing them to need us. And it is about us wanting that old relationship. And it is about us having to make ourselves face the Mm. new normal. I find that incredibly moving. I I found myself uh, welling up there. And what was interesting, it was like almost a sort of tone poem (laughs) (laughs) to uh, the memory of being and and, and the reality of being Mm. a parent. Because actually the the word he used there was uh, up until now it's been about connection. And really at the teenage point, it's about separation and in a sense the teenage years a a child becoming a teenager is like a micro separation of sorts Mm. um it made me really feel really sad actually that about about my oldest girls too because it's something that carries on for good it's it's that weird thing of letting go but still being there for them that Mm. safe space as he Mm. really articulately describes that and i loved that 
to quote him, being a teenager is wild. Mm. You know, let's really think about that. They're in the wild, wild west. Mm -hmm. They are struggling with Mm. so much. Mm. And if we keep asking them every two minutes, how are you, what's wrong, you all right, you all right, we're needing them to say that they're okay and everything's hunky-dory and they're fabulously happy for us. Mm. I mean, where? how selfish are we being? Mm. I don't mean that selfish in a negative way, but just... We're grieving. Our babies are growing up and growing away from I remember once upon a time reading somewhere a sort of psychoanalytical report about the teenage brain. And I remember it saying something along the lines, and I'm I'm kind of praising. What? I'm sorry, you were just looking away. I was just saying, come back to the microphone, sorry. Um, And... um, I remember reading something, I can't remember where I read it, and I'm, I'm just praising it a little bit, but they said something along the lines of the, the teenage brain or the teenage mind, if you were to analyse it from a sort of mental health perspective, shows all of the symptoms of every mental health condition there is. I.e., you know, as a teenager, you're going through depression, you're going through anxiety, you're going through bipolar, you know, every single major headline mental health condition that we can think of today, for which there are many sort of, you know, helplines and and there seems to be an increase in the anxiety. They are all the defining features of being a teenager. So it's no wonder, I suppose. I don't quite know what you mean. Well, what I mean by that is that a teenager is almost a living manifestation of every mental health condition. The very state of teenage... The anxiety. No, being a teenager. Being a teenager demonstrates all the conditions of mental health. Depression, anxiety, bipolar, self-conscious, anxiety, all these things, you know, body dysmorphia. That is that is what being a teenager is about, is engaging with all of those mental Touching health issues. Those things, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the yeah. definition of being a teenager, is that you're feeling anxiety, you're, you're, you're struggling with all those conditions. So it's no wonder that when they come wandering down from their bedroom and they seem a bit sort of distant and a bit quiet, it's because actually every single conceivable anxiety is at work within them. But you know what's so hard is being able to judge as parents when to step back and when to step forward. Because out of the 10 times I might just, when Maddie's looking very sort of dark or miserable and being quite sort of offish with me, standoffish with me, once out of the 10 times I might just put my arms around her and go, oh, I'm going to cuddle you anyway. I feel her just melt into me and she needs me to do that. Mm. But if I didn't do it the nine other times that she didn't really want me to, how do I catch her that one time when I feel that she really wants it? Well, it's interesting. And I think in terms of our own experiences, because it's easy to keep talking in the abstract about everyone, isn't it? I mean, I think I think there are times where, if I'm honest... I get jealous of the connection. I know you feel very jealous of the connection that I have with Maddie on some things, but I sometimes fear that my connection with Maddie is on a very is on on, on the things that we love, like films and series and and all that kind of stuff. But the, the, on the true emotional stuff, she only ever comes to you and talks to you about it, and that's something that. I, I don't know whether that's a norm for all dads. I don't know if that's I something that all dads not. feel with daughters, mm-hmm. perhaps. But it's something that I feel... I don't just feel it slightly. I feel it really painfully and, and not in terms of myself. It's not. I'm not interested in me. I mean, that's what being a dad's about is you, you, it's the welfare of your kids. But just that ability. So it's funny. So, for example, around this idea of her having a party, I keep over trying to communicate with her because I want her to share with me, but I know she doesn't want to because she thinks that I... I'm going to be critical of this or critical of that. And so in my over-trying, and I think this is something else, that when teenagers don't communicate with us, I think it's quite difficult because as a parent, you can become almost a bit too sycophantic, a bit too try, a bit too eggy. I can yeah, feel myself... Yeah, a bit myself, like when you're, somebody's gone off you. Yeah, and you're yeah, just yeah. I feel like hard. the jilted lover yeah. who's kind of trying a bit too hard to gain her attention. And in so trying to gain her attention, I'm losing her attention even more. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling cycle. And then I just go, all right, let's put American Horror Story think, on then. I just think like with most things in your life, you're extremely crazy. <laughs> You've been greedy. You have. You share so. You went. Yeah. Apart from film and no, music no, no, and no, no, no. I don't know that. You share. In, you share an enormous amount with her, and you have very engaged conversations. Mm. There are some things that 
are different between mums and dads. Mm. It's like I had amazing conversations with my father all the time I was growing up. A little like you and Maddie do, actually. We really connected on loads of things. But there were certain things that only my mum would do because my dad would overreact. Mm. And I think that is often the way with dads and daughters, teenage daughters, is that dads do tend to... I mean, you will... Let's use the party as an example, though Though we don't want to go too much into detail, but at the party as an example, you will 10 times go, well, I hope nobody's going to break my... And I hope to... So she gets really anxious. And so she knows that I know that that's not going to make any difference saying all that, that she's responsible, that she's... So she does stop talking to you about those certain, certain things. And there's lots like that with me and Maddie where she won't come to me because she knows I'm going to react. What do you mean you ate that? What do you mean? Mm. So, of course, they do. It's just human nature. But do you ever get that thing where, I mean, I get it sometimes and I've had it with every single one of my girls at different points in their life, in their childhoods, t- from teens upwards, where I almost slightly, not dread, I don't do, no, but I, I get nervous. I get nervous about spending time with them when they're as silent as they are. Mm. It's it's like, and then I end up going into social pleasing mm. mode because I can't bear the silence. I can't bear the, and but yet, I think and yet if in, you ask them about it, they go, what? But I think that you 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 get uncomfortable with silences anyway, don't mm. you, with people? I, I'm I'm easier with silences than you are. Like are you'll you? often That's say funny. that about my parents, yeah. won't you? You'll say, oh my oh, god, there are, you could drive inside. a train through the silences. I'm sitting there sweating at the yeah. table, going, I've got to get up and start juggling. But you know how they say that every child that comes to us teaches us something very particular that we need to know? Mm. And maybe with the girls, that is your chance because you know that they love you. You know Mm. that you don't have to... You can just sit in that silence with them. And it is hard because I did definitely have that thing with them and I thought, oh, they're a bit quiet. And then I just decided to just sit with it. But I've never found it comfortable. I mean, with Fleur, when I used to pick Fleur up and she'd come, she'd she'd sit in the back of the car and Mm. say nothing and pretend her eyes were shut, bless her. She's told me why that was since. But, you know, there would be times where I just... But the, the you do tend the, to go all singing and all dancing. Yeah, yeah. I go into full you're mad like, mode. You're like the boy in the pub who's the girl's not interested in him anymore, and he's yes. doing his double flip backs and showing off yeah. his snooker and buying everyone pints. Yeah, and I think you've just got like to calm tearing down. open packets of crisps and saying everyone wants cheddar flavour and all that kind of stuff. You've got to calm down because the girls pick up on it. Kids pick up on this stuff like a wrap a dry dry. So line. when is the right time to push your kids to talk to you? When is it? Should we talk? Should we listen to Maddie? Let's I've got a message voice note here from Maddie. We, neither of us have heard no, this. No, we so we're, a, we're a little bit nervous about what she's going to say, to be honest. I she always got... makes me shit bricks, actually, before we're about to play it. <laughs> that's a nice, that's it's a nice, nice image to conjure with, isn't it? Um, so let's have a listen to Dear Maddie. Um, so, yeah, I, the reason why I think teenagers stop talking to their parents is because, personally, I, I don't know, I just find it kind of... I've always found it awkward to talk about how I feel. That's kind of why I write music, but... um, It's weird, though, because I can talk to my friends about it, but at the same time, I'm better at just, like, texting people. Like, even when I'm talking to... If I want to talk to my friends about something that's going on, I'll usually text them. I find it awkward talking about it in person. And if I ever do come to mum and dad about my problems, like, I'll probably text them. (laughs) Um, uh, I don't know, I guess... A lot of the stuff that I don't tell my parents usually is because I probably know that they don't want to know about it or they don't want to hear it. Not not horribly, but, like, wouldn't want to know about it, wouldn't want to hear it. Um, and I don't know, because I guess my friends are similar age to me and I know mum and dad were my age once, but, like, the generation's different and everything, so a lot of the stuff that I go through they probably wouldn't understand as much wouldn't be able to like sympathize empathize with and I guess my they would try to but like yeah my friends are usually all going through this similar kind of stuff or have gone through similar stuff so I, I just kind of feel more like it naturally comes to me to just talk to them more um but yeah I think I mostly don't talk about my parents but I don't talk to my parents about the stuff I tell my friends because I just know that they wouldn't want to hear it um uh and I don't know, I mean, it, it, I'm not going to lie, like, it is hard for parents because we hate being asked, like, what's wrong when we seem miserable around our families and stuff. Like, if I'm downstairs being really moody, like, I hate it when somebody asks how I am or if they, like, keep asking me when I'm being, like, no or, like, yeah, something's up. Um, so I don't know, I think 
I mean, some it, it really depends. Like, some of my friends really, really, really just don't want to be asked how they are. Some of my friends don't act like they don't want to be asked, but they actually do want to be comforted by their parents. Some just aren't asked and want their parents to ask. So it is really hard. Like, I don't really know what to tell parents to do because I don't think teenagers... I don't think we really know what we want our parents to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when when mum and dad ask me, like, how I am and everything, I'm really, like, fine, da-da-da-da. It's obvious I'm not fine, but I, I don't like being asked loads. Like, when mum and dad ask me how I am, they usually ask, like, 20 times in a row, and I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And it's obvious I'm not, so sometimes I want them to just be, like, Okay, it's obvious she's not fine, but we'll like leave her because she doesn't want to talk about it. I feel like if a situation, if there's a situation that a teenager really needs their parents for, really wants to talk to her parents about, they will eventually come to them. Um, but I don't know. We're, we're secretive, aren't we, teenagers? Like, so it is hard. Like, I don't, I, I don't really have an answer for parents as to how to do it. I don't think any teenagers really do. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah. And, I mean, it's really funny as well because mum and dad ask me me and Kiki a lot as how they should parent and everything. I'm like, you guys are the parents. You should be able to know how you're going to parent or look after us. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, like, it is hard to know what to do. Like, I wouldn't know what to do if I had a teenager, especially if I had a daughter like me. I'd be like, oh, my God, forget this. <laughs> um, uh yeah, so it is high. I think we just don't talk to our parents about it because we either find it awkward too or we know the kind of stuff we're talking about. Stuff parents would be like, what? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, that, that's my reason. I know that's the reason for my friends, but I can't, you know, it's, I can't speak for every teenager because everybody goes through something different. And I know some of my friends that don't even like talking to their mates about this kind of stuff. They just talk to their parents about it. So, um but yeah, I'm afraid I don't have an answer for the parents as to how they should do it because I don't really know how I want my parents to ask me how I am. Um. Wow, I, I really liked that. I really liked that. Not least because she's confirmed that actually there's fuck all that we can actually do that we're yeah. not doing already. But I think that was quite an interesting question to pose to her because it I was. think it let her... It, it, it enabled her, her to see how difficult mm, it is. I agree. I mean, what I what I would like to say to to the listener is something that Maddie and I do do is I will ask her a number of times something, and I obviously ask her too much. How are you? And then what I will do is I will either say to her or I text her, "Listen, is this is something that you want to share?" but you don't want me to fix, but it would feel better if you just said it, then you can text me. And she has texted me some phenomenal, like, knockout things. And sometimes she's wanted me to answer by text and then not mention it to her face again. And then sometimes she's wanted nothing. She's just wanted to be able to say mm. it. And that has been a great tool. That hasn't happened so much recently, though I did get a corker a, a few months ago. Um and and so that's that's just a, a just you know if you're listening that could be something to try with your teen because it gives them the power the thing that they hate most is you looking into their eyes and saying tell me another thing is i've had some of the most meaningful conversations in the car yeah, when i'm driving when they're not looking directly when they're behind at you. you and you ask you know you ask a sort of yeah. sly killer question and bizarrely they'll they'll sort of open because they're not they're not having eye contact with you can i just say something to you and this might be a bit contentious well what a surprise you when she was talking there about i don't think they they would want to hear it mm-hmm. This is because I, you play think... you play Mrs. Social Matey no, Matey. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I think sometimes you can show the pain very obviously that you're feeling because they're your little girls and you don't want them to be hurt and you don't want to be and you are an open book and that's part of what we all really love about you. I think that's a lovely thing to be about the open book. But I think sometimes, and it was exactly the same with me and my dad and my sisters. 
So, so what do you we mean? wouldn't tell my dad the difficult stuff mm. because he's going to get hurt. He's going to probably go, what do you mean? Who is he? What's he said? Oh, my God, I'm going to kill him. Oh, my God. Da, 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 da. And it's because it hurts men in a different way. When yeah, I agree. And so we would never tell my dad stuff that might be a, in a, about a boy or about something because it would be too much. We'd be protecting him, I suppose, in mm. a way. Mm. And I think that happens a lot with daughters and their dads. But don't daughters quite like that? I think they do like a bit of it, but I think that it's something... I th- I mean, we can't talk too generally. I think in our parenting, it is something that is there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. You get all irate. You get Not with them, but you get all puffed up. Right, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to run him over. I'm going to do all of this. You know, if, if, if there's a boy that you yeah, don't like. Yeah, but I like. see them sometimes almost um, taunting me and wanting, drawing that sort of... Yeah. That sort of gallows humour out. Yeah, and I think that that is something, and I think it's an asset within the parenting, but I think that you also have to accept that some stuff they are not going to tell you, and no, it's stuff I get for that. a mum. I get that. And I think if we had a son, I think it would be the same, but the other way around. So I there agree. is that. There is that gender difference, and I think with some gender differences, that's okay. Mm. You know, um, I... I would like to ask her more about what does she mean when she says there's stuff that we wouldn't want to know. And I, because I don't think that's true. Like, I always say to her, like, at times when I've been cuddled up with her late night in bed, like when she was much younger, and she's like, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, I can't tell you. And I say to her, there is nothing, there is nothing that would make me change the way I feel about you. And I literally do mean nothing. Murder, anything. I would still love her the same. And and I think that the teenagers really worry because they've got so many outside influences making them feel like they're that they're that they're in some way, you know, low self esteem that they that all teenagers have, I think. And they worry that some of the stuff that they might tell us might make us change the way we feel about them or not like them or I think they worry I think <coughs> I think a major component for most teenagers about why they don't talk is that they worry they're gonna be judged by their mm. parents. And they worry that their parents are in the ways that you've just described about myself, that they're gonna overreact, yeah. they're gonna be negative, they're gonna yeah. be judgmental, all these kind of things. And and I do think it's important perhaps for parents to remember and we we fall foul of this. We sometimes look at our kids and go, Jesus Christ, but you know, they haven't got it half as bad as we had it. That you know, their lives are really quite pleasant. And why are they you know, what is there to be this mm. depressed about? And I've always said, and I've been a long term advocate of the idea, that you can't bring children up by telling them that for other people they've got things worse off mm. than them. Every teenager you know, and has the right has the right to experience their own teenage youth mm. with all the, mm. what they feel they haven't got and what they mm. feel they have got. And I do feel that most teenagers, and the, almost the definition of being a teenager, is living your teenage years in terms of what you haven't got and what you have got. Mm. And, and kind of, sorry, and, and recognising, is that interfering, that phone? Sorry. And recognising that actually you have a right to feel... Hard done by. I mean, it's the hard it's done a by. It's a passage it's to a have right struggle. To, yeah, absolutely. But I think we, you know, I do think liberal middle class parenting. We often use this thing of, well, you know, you've got it much better than, and that creates an inordinate amount of pressure on a mm. teenager, especially a teenager who's kind of middle class or quite ordinary and probably hasn't got much on paper that's awful, first world problems and all that. But that doesn't remember. That's why the first world has so many cases of depression, anxiety, and mental health problems in their teenage youth because there's almost this thing of you've got all these problems. You've got all these issues, you've got all these thoughts, but at the same time, you're not allowed to have them because Mm. you're you're better off than everyone else. Mm. That's an enormous pressure. It's like this snowflake term. It's such a pejorative term that will generate, it's a bullying term created by Tarquin-like parents wandering around sort of saying, come on, you've got it bloody brilliant. You know, when I was a boy, I was licking the tarmac at 6am every morning, getting up half an hour before I went to bed. Actually, as a teenager, you have the right to feel hard done by and I'm saying all of that because I'm, I'm trying to sort of convince myself that each time Maddie comes down and part of me sort of thinking, hang on a minute, be a bit more grateful for what you've got. You hardly have it, have it hard. You hardly have this. Actually, that that's meaningless. That's meaningless to a teenager. Well, too often we're looking at what they've got. The internal struggle is the same, no matter what house you live in. Absolutely. No what. And it's Maddie says to us often, doesn't she, that, that and, and Kiki, that... 
they find it really difficult when even sometimes when they're talking to their friends. Yeah. Because their friends are like, what struggle have you got? Your Absolutely. mum's off the telly. You work in and TV. She's like, yeah. She said, I can't ever be upset about anything because my mum's off the telly. Mm. She goes, but my mum's just my mum. It's not, mm. I don't think of my, my mum off the telly. I quickly kind of pull her into line by saying, just tell them your dad's a recovering alcoholic. I'll <laughs> sort their shit out because they won't know if I've been you know, rolling in at 3am in the morning and smashing the joint up. She goes, oh yeah, that's a good idea. It's funny because as a teenager, I remember being as a teenager, I didn't communicate with my mum at all, but at the same time, I was very like Maddie as a teenager. You know, as best as you could in the 80s, I'd let her know where what I was doing. I wasn't up to anything particularly naughty. But, you know, there is that, there is that sort of thing of wanting to feel like you've got something that marks you as different and down. Mm. And... And, you know, to justify your hard done by, you know, your hard done by-ness. And I think that is a part of being a teenager that is hard for us parents to accept and embrace. And in the, you know, in the deep detail of day-to-day living, of being around your teenagers, it can be really, really, really exhausting. I mean, there are times, you're in a good place at the moment with Mandy, but there have been times where, you know, the relentlessness of the mood sometimes can be, and I've had it with the eldest ones, Izzy and Fleur, it's not only draining, but you lose the will to parent. Oh, you do. Sometimes I mean, you think, do you know hell? what? I just don't want to even ask what's no. going on or what's the... Ma- I mean, I remember Kiki saying to us, do you remember she's oh getting anxiety God. about it when she was really young? She said, I'm really scared of getting older because I'm really scared that I'm going to be rude to you when I'm a teenager and not she, know I'm being rude to you. I, and I remember thinking when she said that, hey, up, we could have one here that's not going to do it. And I said to her the other day, I said, do you remember when you used to yeah. worry about being like this with us? And she went, no. Oh. Yeah. She's said, forgotten. Does it bother you that you're talking to us like the way you didn't want to? She went, no. Yeah, but it's then like... they suddenly come alive, like, <laughs> don't they? Like, out of the blue yesterday, Maddie just came, and I can't remember the last time she did this, ever even. In fact, she just came up to my bedroom, and she just and she just started just chatting away, mm. playing music to me, just out of the blue. I was just like, I just was gobbling it up. I was absolutely gobbling it up like a most delicious mm. pudding that had just been put in mm. front of me. It was like a huge surprise. I was like, yes, 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 because you're hungry for mm. them to just feel like that they like you. I mean, I know it sounds pathetic, but sometimes it just feels like they don't like you very much. We know they do. We know they do. Do you not think... And this is an interesting conversation because we are oscillating between... Totally seeing it from their POV, which is important, and then going retreating back into the pain of it. And I do want the listener to to feel that connection. You know, if you're listening now and thinking, well, you are saying an awful lot for the teenagers, it's because I think that's the only way for us to solve the pain and the grief and the loss is to actually put ourselves into their shoes and go, it's hard. And I think the real mistake that certainly a number of my friends I can think of that will say, well, I wasn't like that at that age. No. Because you're not them. No. They are individual, independent that's people. They are not an extension of us. Yeah. And that's what we have to let go of. Though but, it's blooming hard. But it must be really difficult. What, do, what does one say to the parent of a teenager? How do you know when your teenager's going through a genuine effing crisis? I know, you do That's don't. the problem. It could it's just very, be that they've run out of cheetahs. Yeah, because if you... Precisely. It's the same thing. And that place. is a disaster if they've run out of cheetos because <laughs> it means I can't have any. Um, but the major thing here is that, and I do think this is the dilemma for parents, because in a sense what we're saying is a sort of benign neglect is fine as the parent of a teenager. Because if you were to go by Maddie and Carlitos there, it's kind of like, well, we don't have to ask them anything because they'll come to us when they need to. Brilliant. We can go out, we can do shit, we can do whatever we want. Oh, yeah, you'll check in with us when you've got an issue. Ah. It's really hard ah, to do that, That's though. all well and good. Mm. But you do need... And I can really say... This really reminds me but of But she the, didn't completely say that. No, no. she said, I do want them to ask, but yes. I, I know... But there's only a certain point that I'm going to answer. But how do you pitch, want how do you pitch that to such an extent yeah. that you're not becoming the kind of parent who's so annoying that they then avoid telling you the... How do we... They're not in a position to judge what the right stuff to tell us is and the wrong stuff to tell us is. How yeah, do we find well, out that stuff? Well, I would argue, if we go back to Carlitos's point, they're trying to find that out. They're trying to find that out. We can't rescue them through this. We shouldn't try to rescue them. They are wanting to make decisions and make mistakes 
and learn from those mistakes. Us standing under them with a big net trying to stop that happening is about us and not about but what, it's interest- what we need and yeah, not what they need. I was going to say, and it's interesting how in a big circle that comes back round to the ego, if you like, of us as parents, because yeah. I've got a 26-year-old, soon to be, and a 21-year-old. And my line to both of them has always been, as they move into much, much, much grown-up, more grown-up and adult life is, you know, as long as you know I'm always there for you, just drop us a line. What happens? They don't drop me a line, and I feel totally surplus to requirements. <laughs> now, on the one, on one, on the one hand, you could say, "Well, success. They're yeah. leading their lives and they're doing yeah. their thing." Hang on a minute, I'm your dad. What about me? What about me? And is it right? Is it ever right? Is it ever? Is it ever not selfish to think what about me as a parent? Because it seems to me that these children that pass through us just bugger off. <laughs> And don't even turn around and wave goodbye. And yet, look how often we've got my mum and dad round, your mum round, your, you know, they come back to us. They come back to us. But if we're being good parents, they will want to stretch their wings and fly. And we just have to button our lip and accept it. I said to Izzy the other day, I said, if I was in an old people's home, would you come and visit me? She said, it depends where it is, Dad. (laughs) I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it. I said, probably, so, depending on the postcode and what the line is, so I have to find out where the train station is relative to my care home. <laughs> was... Ah, but we, did we have children to bring them up to look after us? Well, I don't, I well, I don't want to be looked up. No, I'm th- I'll a throw myself do. off a cliff. No, I know. A friend of mine, she's so all funny. I... She says that she says to her son all the time, listen... Remember, I've brought you up very well and you're to look after me and you're to buy me a flat no, and you're to keep me. Yeah, I don't want that. All I want every now and then is a text or a, or a little message or a, oh, should we go out for something to eat or something like that? That's all I want. Twice a year. That's not a lot. <laughs> no, it's not a lot. Maybe three times. Maybe once a month. <laughs> once a Maybe week. once a month. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's not easy negotiating when it's right to not ask and that, just not ask. That is the biggest itch for us all, and I don't think there are any answers. But I would just like to say, just the last thing is, because it's just come back to me through this conversation, I used to rush home to ring on the door so that my mum would open the door so that I could ignore her and storm upstairs and hate her. And I'm just remembering that feeling now, and I'm remembering that I would feel a release of the day that I'd had. That's horrible. Yeah, but that's where I was when I was a teenager. No, yes, go upstairs. funny? And I was taking out the pressure of my day on the person that I knew would love me whatever. Isn't that funny? Because I was such a well-behaved teenager, I think I'm doing that with my mum now. Mm, you do? Yeah. Yeah, you do take your stuff I out. I do take it out on her yeah. because it's kind of... But that's, but you know, if that's the case then I'm okay with that because it's a difficult world out there. And just one other last thing. I was chatting to this lovely, lovely man, you know, when I went to the Himalayas, one of my team with me, and he has a young son and he was saying, he was quoting the person that said, you know, the sadness of being a parent is one day you'll pick up your child and put them down and it will be the last time you pick them up except you won't know when it happens. Mm. You won't you won't be able to remember, know what that time was. I said, but this is what happens. Yes, we can't pick up our children anymore, but... Every so often, quite often actually, your teens will come up to you and it's the weirdest thing our girls do, isn't it? They just flop onto our back. It's the str- Sometimes it's quite awkward because it's a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, like a backpack, and, yeah, aren't they? And they just hang mm. and they just stay there. And you know that you're not to turn around and give them a hug. You know mm. that you're not to say anything. And it's almost like it's a... And just the stuff is coming out from them mm. in into me and it's like that's a new normal yeah it's not as it's not the same as picking up a little one and them snuggling into your neck and there but it is still you just being their rock for them it's just a different way my analogy is different when i hug them i can feel like the center of my chest is like iron man's you know mm. thing it goes red and it fills them with stuff Hmm. And then they go away and I go to a corner and I start to cry. Well, there you go. There's our new normal. Yeah. I've got one. It new normal is devastating. Different. I just feel like I've been jilted by four girlfriends. Mm, with all my it, daughters. Honey. With all my daughters. Get over it. Granddad next. Oh, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> 
Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little <laughs> bit worried that she might tell you off, you could always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, <laughs> at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. I just want to read some comments from people that have sent... sent Fabulous me. comments. People yeah. talking to us rather than teenagers ignoring us. James, 41, from Hertfordshire. We were lucky to be offered a substantial scholarship from my son who went to boarding school for three years when he was 12. After the scholarship arrangement fell through, he moved to our local school. When he returned, he was a totally different person. Oh, no, that's what it's like. Kevin syndrome. He's become completely independent and used to managing on his own time. It's been so difficult to adjust to my little boy not being around anymore and him not really needing me for anything more than money and a roof over his head. Now my son is an immature man more than he is a maturing boy and coming around to that reality has taken a lot for me. I can't help but feel sad about the change in relationship and guilty about us sending him to boarding school when he grew up quickly and I missed the transition. Oh, my God. James. Is it James? Oh. One important distinction, an Im- yeah. a mature boy versus an immature sure. man. Isn't that the nature of being a man? I don't know. That we're all immature boys. No, we're all immature men. But time lost. Like time lost. Well, I mean, not, yeah, I mean, I feel that. I feel that pain. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, a couple of days ago, James, you know, I think what you've got to do is not think about the time lost and just sit with what time you can have. It's like a couple of days ago, I, you know, Maddie came down early and she just sat and was just chatting to me. And my brain was going, oh, I've got to do that. Oh, I've got to do that. I've got to do that. And I was literally having to go, stop, mm. listen, mm. listen listen, it's so hard to really listen to your children. But when you do, even your adult children, you know, when you do, you reap such rewards. And I think, you know, going back to what Carlitos said, the thing is, parents aren't interested in what we're doing. If we want them to talk to us more, if we want to engage with them more, we've got to be into their stuff. We've got to be interested in their stuff. And and even though he's older now, that's still a way to get a connection, is be connected to the things he's into. It's really important not to be sniffy about what your teenagers are into, yeah, and not and not be judgy, mistake. and not be sort of oh god, no, my day, in my day, and all that stuff. I tell you what, James's uh, message has really made me think about, and I think this is an important message to get across to any parents out there with blended families and the stepchildren situation. Because when you have teenage stepchildren, in your case, or my eldest girls, and they come into your family for a, an access weekend, say, and they're going through the normal teenage years of non-communication, and you only get them for a weekend in a month, and they spend that month, that one weekend not talking to you, you can, and we did, go for almost periods of like 12 months to 18 months of virtually very little conversation, mm. even though they were coming to us. Mm. Now, the pressure on you as an average absent dad and as a stepmom in your situation is to, to overcompensate, overcompensate, overcompensate. Sure and like also boarding school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Similar situation as boarding school. But also to then over-assume that you're all at fault because you're the absent parent yeah. and they're, they're coming to you and they're not talking to me. Oh yeah, my there's God. There's all sorts of other stuff getting, going on. <laughs> there's all sorts of shit going on. Exactly. So it's really important, I think, for blended families, step parents, step kids. It's very complicated that period of not talking when you've got a tiny window of time, time with them. To fix things. To fix things. And to create things. And to, cre- and to make memories. And to create an atmosphere of openness and accessibility yeah, and you can talk so to me. so complex. Bloody nightmare. We have to do a really good discussion on step-parenting. Step-parenting. Yeah. Um, we've got one here from Eve, 48, from where? Our two boys are five years apart. When I first became a teenager, we met his mood swings and vies for independence head-on with strict discipline. As a teenager, he developed an arrogant nature of superiority. We wanted him to learn that in life the rules apply to all and that as an adult you need to toe the line with everyone else, but it didn't work. He went out when he was grounded, got into drugs and subsequently didn't achieve good grades in his exams. My wife and I feel that in hindsight we could have handled things differently and a kill them with kindness approach would have been better. Now our younger son is 14, he's started copying his brother's defiant behaviour, so we have a choice. Do we maintain a line of strict discipline or do we change to a softer approach and risk that he may walk all over us in the process and we may fail him further that way? 
Well, I, I, I think a better word than softer is maybe a more open, more communicative mm. vibe. Yeah. I mean, if you think of us as an adult and somebody says, you are not doing that and there's no... What's the first thing we want to do? You do it. Do it. Yeah. So with the teenage brain, which it's very important for the teenage brain to develop, mm. is to take risks and to to rebel and go again. I mean, that's an absolute scientific yeah, fact. Yeah. So I, I, I would suggest... Um, that you open more, spend more time, talk more, have more conversation, not shut down conversation, not be judgmental. And um, I'm gonna that's say, what I would do. I'm going to say something awful, because in my limited experience of teenage boys, I've always found the a little bit of lubrication with something like Nando's or saying that you're going to eat. Always surprise your teenage kids with a perk you know they like mm. when they're least expecting it. Mm. And it will trip them into a place of favourability towards you. Just a little mm. device. I remember using it with a cousin. Yeah, 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 absolutely. They don't want to be in conflict. But I've often found where, you know, you're going through a really rocky patch and you go, flipping out. I really look at your watch and nonchalantly, I really fancy a Nando's. And suddenly they all perk up. And suddenly you get there and you hit them at the point Just that you're ordering the food. Surprise them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, Just you know, them. or here's another one. Here's another one. Go in and actually play the PS4 game with your son. Yeah. I tell you what. It will, it will take you so far with them. You'll find yourself talking through the game. You're not looking at each other. You're sat alongside each other. You'll be shit. They'll laugh. You make the, take the, and also another major thing, which we I think we're very good at at times, is taking the piss out of ourselves. Mm. If they can see you taking the piss out of yourselves, mm. it's kind of you're not... If you put yourself on a pedestal and say you're absolutely perfect, you're going to be shot down in flames. Because when they realise yeah. you're not, they're not going to respect you at well, all. That's like Maddie says to me. Well, you, I know what you were doing when you were a teenager. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like they know we weren't perfect. So mm. how can we in any way be really... Do you know what I mean? So I think Demanding fallibility... Perfection. Fallibility. So rather than just saying, here's an open space and we can all talk in this really feely-feely touchy space, just be a bit more sort of street with it and kind of go, oh, yeah, let's play let's play Red Dead Redemption together. Let's play that. I'll come in. I want to go on, hey. your, go on your PS4 with you. What is this bloody thing all just about? Just because they're teens doesn't mean they don't want to play. It's still the best yeah. thing in the world to yeah. be your parent looking at you going, come on, let's hang out, let's play. And I'm you're really turn my clever. phone off. Yeah. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be trying to get away from you. Yeah. And we're going to have a good time. And one of the cleverest things you've done in a house is say, do the house clearing and put your music on because it just makes them favourable towards you. Yeah, might not be... Last yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's just finding those little methods Methods of stealth, stealthy methods of getting them to open up over Nando's. Well, that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review, tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>